At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, grab a hot cup of cocoa, grab a cold beer, whatever you like, cozy in beside that condenser coil, Get those warm and fuzzies going. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. And I got a great guest for you today. Mike Mayberry is coming on the podcast. You guys might know him as the HVAC Reefer Guy on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Now, one of Mike's missions is to keep the past alive in the HVAC industry. Now, this is a very, very cool and unique mission. And I say that because history, knowing the history of where you came from is really important, I think, in any facet of life. But we're in the HVAC trade, so knowing the history of HVAC and refrigeration is something that I think we need to learn. So these days we're all popping out of the trucks, rocking our fancy, fancy digital tools. You fancy, huh? It's true, though. We're all going this digital way. And I'm all for it because I think it's very efficient um, to work with these tools. But it's cool to see how we got to this point. It's cool to see a set of uh, manifold gauges from 50, 60 years ago, or an electrical panel with massive contactors from 70, even 80 years ago. It's cool to see this stuff. If you don't think it's cool, then obviously you don't have a passion for HVAC. But I know you guys do. That's why you're listening to an HVAC podcast. So if you guys are listening to this podcast, you're definitely going to have an interest in seeing old pictures of tools and machines and units and equipment from the past. It shows us how we got to this point. So Mike's coming up. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast, guys. I'm your host. Gary McCready. Enjoy. Well, the summer has surpassed us. It's been a great summer. That old bastard, old man winter, is going to poke his nose out very, very soon, unfortunately. Now, I know a lot of states, southern states, and a lot of places of the world might not get it as harsh as we get it here in Toronto, and there's places that get it worse than we do. So we're kind of the, we're kind of in that happy medium, I guess, because we don't see minus 40 temps every day, like places like Edmonton do, but we don't get the, um, the nice mild temperatures in the winter, like Florida does maybe in the the mid fifties. So we still get cold winters. Um, and it's probably time now to start thinking maybe about which combustion analyzer you guys are going to use for the upcoming winter. Um, analyzing combustion is very important. Okay, last year I used the Testo 320. Fantastic combustion analyzer. Easy to use. Um, 
user-friendly. The screen is nice, big, and bright, um, easy to read. Infrared printer to print off your reports. Um, right now, Tesla's having a promotion. If you purchase a 320 or a 330 with a mail-in rebate, you get a, uh, a free borescope. It's got a flexible camera on it. You can use it to check different things um, in the HVAC field. So that's a really cool promo that they got. And that's a very good combustion analyzer, the 320. I haven't tried the 330, but it looks like a real badass combustion analyzer. Um, I've been noticing lately that Yellow Jacket, the, uh, the Super Evac vacuum manifolds, they're on back order from what I hear because so many damn people are ordering them. These things are flying off the shelves. They're good because when you pull a vacuum, you can go straight to your vacuum pump from the system and avoid pulling through gauges that might slow down the process. And I shouldn't say might because it does slow down the process. Depends on how much of a rush you're in. If you want to pull an efficient vacuum, having a vacuum manifold and larger hoses going straight from the system to the pump will help you with that. I guarantee it because... I've seen it, and there's proof of it out there on different YouTube channels, on different websites, different avenues on the internet. It's a proven fact. Okay, so those manifolds, the Super Evac manifold, really, really good. Um, pick one up, but if you do, you better get your order in now because I heard they're on back order because they're so popular. Um, refrigeration technologies, guys, um, like I've mentioned in the past, who else in this industry is an HVAC ke uh, chemist, HVAC tech and chemist and CEO for that matter. That's the triple threat right there. John Pastorello um, at Refrigeration Technologies, he's all three of them. And because he's a tech, and because he's a chemist, it's allowed him to develop chemicals for the industry that are kick-ass. Um, so go to refrigtech.com and check out all of the chemicals they got to offer. Um, silicone grease is one of them that I've used for different things. You can coat your, uh, you can coat the batteries in your tools with silicone grease. Um, I've done that to protect them from rusting out. I've also used the silicone grease to put around uh, condenser fan plugs because I've had moisture penetrate these plugs. The moisture gets in there and it causes issues. They burn up. So now when I put them put them in I put a nice little tie wrap or zip tie zip tie around and I coat that connection with some silicone grease it protects it from that water from getting inside and penetrating all right so um Armstrong we've done a bunch of podcasts and pump education with Armstrong we talked about the sexy pump with Rohit you guys got an invite to go check out the pumps in person from a local rep so I suggest you do that, armstrongfluidtechnology.com. Field Pulse, they're still offering you guys a 14-day free trial. And from what I hear, a bunch of you guys have, have tried it out. So if you guys have tried it out, let everybody know how you like it. So everybody can jump on this paperless train and get rid of it. Like I said, we're all going digital, right? The HVAC passed. We're keeping it alive by taking pictures of old work orders. Cool. But 
get those work orders on your phone, those invoices on your phone or your tablet, make life a lot easier for you guys. And True Tech Tools, I just demoed a, um, a CL450 for True Tech Tools from Klein. Yep, CL450. I got it right in my hand. Cool little meter, um, compact. Got a bunch of uh, got a bunch of features on it, like a regular digital clamp meter would have volts, amps, um, resistance, capacitance, temperature. It's got two Type K thermocouple ports on it, and it comes with two Type K thermocouples. We can measure frequency, and we have the low Z, that low impedance, so we can check for things like ghost voltage. So I tried that out for True Tech Tools today, guys. You can save 8% on your purchases at True Tech Tools with promo code KNOWITALL. And if you guys are a big Testo fan, you can save on Testo products by going to the True Tech Tools logo on my webpage. Click that. It'll take you to a link. You answer a couple questions. Make sure you tell them HVAC KNOWITALL sent you and you get preferred Testo pricing on your purchases. Hey, there. hey, Mike, can you hear me? I can. How are you? Good morning. Good, good afternoon. Yeah, it's, it's good evening for me because it's 9, it's 9.14 p.m. Uh, yeah, it's about right. It's 6, uh, 6 o'clock here in Phoenix. Yeah, is the sun still up and shining bright? The sun is up. Even though everybody's talking about fall weather and winter weather, it is 101. 101 degrees? Desert. Wow. Yeah, between Phoenix and uh, Tucson and the open desert, there's about 101. That's incredible. Yeah, we were actually um, about 88 today. And tonight it's a, tonight we're supposed to drop right down to like uh, under 50 degrees. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we we're, we're getting a drastic we temperature the, change. And that's awesome. We don't break the triples here. Um really break them until about the end of about the middle to end of october yeah so so what do you do do you guys have a heating season there or no do you actually have furnaces in, in homes um yes and no <laughs> uh i think last year my gas bill i only fired my furnace maybe two or three times uh yeah. heat pump is really big here yeah. electric strip heat is real big here uh, no oil. Package units are real big. There's no oil. There's no steam. Um, you know, it's it's a package unit split system state. Nice. Yeah. Same so, same with like uh, like I guess like Florida and, and that. I guess they they don't really utilize heating a lot in the winter time either. No. Uh, like I have stores here that are uh, York. 20 or 30 ton straight cool package units. Yeah. They have electric strip heat in them, but that I don't even think they fire. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me with, with the amount of heat you guys get. Yeah, so when we get into the 50s, um, which is not bad, right? The rest of the country is 50s. We're, we're, we're gripped in freezing temperatures. So I think it's really relative to where you live. If you live the further north you live, uh, the winter temperatures are not so bad in the 50s and people are in shorts and tank top. Here, people are in parkas, uh, on snow boots, and the freezes are real hot. <laughs> people are in parkas when it's 50 degrees outside? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's hilarious. If it gets down to 50s, 
40, if it's into the 40s and the 30s, we're like in a freezing cold snap. But I mean, it's it's relative. When people here, temperatures, we don't really start getting busy till it's about 105. Yeah. Um, when it's in the upper 90s, like this morning it was 92 on the way to work, and people okay. were driving with their windows down. Yeah. They driving with their windows down. 92, wow. 95 is not that big a deal. Yeah, that that's that's really odd, eh? I guess I guess you you get climatized to your environment. Yeah, I mean it's like you you're in the snow, so the snow, the deep snow, the cold is you know part of your seasons. For us, it's really freaking hot, and in the winter it's less freaking hot. You know, yeah. it's just less heat. So I I remember in May. Um, I was up at my trailer park and it was 32 degrees outside. It was zero degrees Celsius, 32 Fahrenheit, right? Right. And right. we're sitting around a campfire in shorts and a, and a sweater sitting around the campfire because the campfire is keeping us warm. And you guys, and, right. and, that's, and that's like near, that's like basically freezing and you guys are wearing parkas at 50. So it's, it's crazy the difference between how people are where they live, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like my house, I live on the west side of Phoenix. My home doesn't have a fireplace. Um, houses are built with no fireplaces. Um, I have a split system, train split system. The furnace is up in the attic. I literally, three or four times last year, you know, we got into the 20s. And uh, Phoenix will get snow. It happened about three years ago. We got snow. But... You know, for the most part, it's why like our winters are phenomenal. Last yeah. Christmas, I was in short, I was in shorts and sandals. Uh, the Phoenix area will double and triple in population because all the snowbirds come from up north down to their winter homes in uh, in Phoenix and Scottsdale. Wow, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, so. so so one of the reasons I wanted to uh, call you and do like a cold podcasting, because maybe a lot of people don't know, but you have your own podcast on the Anchor app too, right? I do. What? Um, the HVAC reefer guy thing. But, you know, we're, we're doing podcasts, and I'm really complimentary of you because, first off, congratulations on the, what is it, the under 40, AHR under 40 uh, award or nomination? That's oh, huge. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That that was that was uh, Mr. Mike Clark that nominated me for that, and, and that was uh, great guy. That was incredible. That the fact he he did that for me, I couldn't believe it. I was floored. You get like special parking at at trade shows, and <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. I I don't oh. think it. Yeah, I don't think really. I, I mean, Pete, someone's gonna read it, maybe, and then like I I read the top forty. Uh, under 40 last year and I don't remember who's in it. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that'll pass and go real quick. I don't, I don't think so. No, I think that, no, I don't think so. I think that, I think that there are people who are influential. I think that there are people that will define the trade and the blue collar, the HVAC that will define being HVAC worthy. Yeah. I think that there's people that will, um, that the trade will look at for direction. Uh, I think that you're doing a phenomenal job, like on the podcast with the technical stuff and digging deep, down deep into the technical part of it. I think that there's some people out there doing great stuff. 
um, like uh, Andrew, aka HVAC. Yeah, if you got a chance to look at his, yeah, yeah, his videos are just uh, they're like top quality, and this guy's producing everything in his in his bedroom or back bedroom and uh, or his garage, and it's just uh, fantastic. I think that those people will be will be influential. You will be one of them that will be in- influential to where as the trade moves on and it gets more and more technical. The older guys like me, who unfortunately we fight technology in a weird way, um, you know, we're, we don't become as influential. We become historic. You know, yeah. we start to look at the history. We look at, at things by saying, you know, like for me, I tell people all the time, you can't go forward unless you understand the past. Exactly. And um, that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you. Is so you and I could have this discussion and then we could both throw it on our podcast because it's kind of like the the old and the new, the past and the present. You know what I mean? So one of your, one of your huge missions is to, to keep the old stuff the history um, of HVAC or HVAC, as as you call it, I, I say HVAC. I guess I'm, a, I'm lazy, <laughs> but um, keeping that past alive and the refrigeration past alive. And some of the pictures that I've seen you post is is unreal for some of this this older stuff out there. Well, I I really got to give it to the to the blue collar guys and gals out there. I mean. They're they're seeing stuff and they're shooting pictures to me, going, you know, you gotta you gotta see this thing. I don't know what it is, and they'll send it to me, and then I repost it. I've I've got this whole thing about paying it forward. Yep. And you know my my Instagram is only four and a half years old. Uh, I'm about four to five hundred away from twenty thousand. Nice. Um, I don't I don't buy followers. I don't I don't do giveaways. You know, I'm not the traditional guy who goes out and, you know, buys followers and does that. I just I just like posting people's stuff, and they send me pictures of, you know, amazing stuff. And they're like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, that, that, I've seen that. That's, you know, that's a piece of equipment, and that's a belt drive, or that's an open drive, or, you know, that's a cooling tower, that's an evaporative condenser, and, you know, whatever it is. And the, the Instagram and social media community have been really fantastic. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I'll tell you what, Instagram is a is a. I find is is a way more positive place than Facebook can be. Right. I I, I so I, I go on. Sorry. I was gonna say so the Facebook part of it is really. Um, and trust me, we and the, the listeners out there, I hope they're going. Oh, this has all been worked out. It hasn't. I think the HVAC know it all. Facebook page is probably one of the best Facebook HVAC pages. And I belong to a few. There are really some, you know, some fantastic folks out there doing Facebook. But I see a lot of the pictures that are posted on your page. And, you know, I'll ask permission, like, hey, can I pull that picture up, you know, and repost it? And, yeah, go ahead and take it. But a lot of it shows up on your page as, like, a joke. Like, you're going, oh, look at this whole thing. I look at it and like, oh my god, I'm in love. I want that. I want that picture. So, did you see um, this this week or last week? Um, somebody posted that little voltmeter. It looked like a little uh, clock. Did you see that? Yeah, it was that, and I had never seen one before ever. And somebody said that it was like radioactive and don't open it up. And I I'd, I'd never seen one like that. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't even know how 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 in the world you would test voltage with it. I I, I would assume, you know, and, and that makes an ass of you and me. But I assume that it works like that. The the meter that um, for checking solenoids that spins. Okay. That it probably does the same thing, and it looks at current based upon like a, I want to say like an inductive current that's wound around something and it spins and it says, oh, based on a resistive load that's 208, I've never seen one. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, and for those that are listening and didn't see it, 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 it looks, it, it's like a, a round, um, maybe about two and a half inches in diameter. And it's got a voltmeter in AC, I think up to 120 and then DC up to, I think 12 volts. And, and, it, and it just it just fits in the it fits in the palm of your hand like like a like an old guy's uh, stopwatch or, or watch that he takes po- like a pocket watch yeah exactly it was very neat yeah it's gorgeous gorgeous so so what other what other cool uh, things have you seen online that maybe not a lot of other guys have seen out there um, there was a guy um, who posted some pictures from Corpus Christi. Okay. Um, it was a belt drive, meaning a wide belt, like the eight-inch flapping type belt. Okay. It was a belt-driven uh, compressors for a, a theater down in Corpus Christi. Um, there's a hotel down in San Antonio, Texas, that my wife and I are going to try to go to next year. That um, in the middle of the hotel floor. Is an ammonia DC driven ammonia compressor. It was okay. an ice house in a refrigeration plant. Okay. And instead of taking the piping out and taking the compressors out, they turned it into a hotel. And the compressors and all the piping and all the valves are all in place. They just left them in place. Wow. And that's down in San Antonio, Texas. Um, there's a theater in Los Angeles. The Apollo, I think it's the Apollo Theater, in the very old part of downtown Los Angeles that they converted into a CVS drugstore, but left the upper floors intact. And then the upper floors are is the ammonia, the, the belt-driven ammonia compressors. They're all intact. Wow. So, you know, guys are sending me stuff from across the country. Um, you know, there's a... A guy on Instagram is like, you got to come to Detroit. So I guess Detroit is like another hotbed for really old stuff that we want to go see. And a lot of it we're finding here in Arizona. Um, we There's a restaurant that my wife and I went to in Scottsdale that's got an original um, absorption refrigerator from the 1950s. And it's nice. still running. Wow. Um up in Flagstaff, Arizona, there is, actually not Flagstaff, I'm sorry, Cruskin, Arizona, at the Palace, there is a uh, very old bar, Western bar, uh, Riot Herb, Doc Holiday, um, they all frequent in this bar, it has a 12-foot tall, 10-foot wide, 10-foot deep uh, ice block refrigerator that's actually an ice box that used ice they're cooling with convection, it's still in place. Now it's been converted to new refrigeration, but the original siding and the doors 
and the interior casing is all intact. Yeah, that's that's incredible. It really is. See, I've only had the experience of working on one open drive compressor in my entire career, and that that building was demoed about six or seven years ago. But it, it was it was really interesting to work on. I'm I'm glad that I never had to do a compressor change and have to <laughs> line those shafts up though because I would be dreading that. Have you have you ever done one of those with a, a dial indicator, Mike? So in California, it's very common to see the five, a five H sixty or five H one twenty or a train. Um, they're hard to align. They usually leave the motors in place. Um, and you replace the compressor. Sometimes we'll rebuild them in on the spot, yep. and we'll pull them apart, pull the heads, pull the crank rods, the bearings, um, and we'll rebuild them, you know, in the spot so that we don't have to do a realign. So there's there's two parts of the alignment. There's the angular and the face. Yep. So the angular is if you're looking at it from the top, is your left to right movement. And then your face is the up and down movement. Yep. So, you know, when you set the compressor, you'll get one of two things. You'll get either your angle is out or your face is out, or you're going to get a soft foot or a hard foot. Um, I don't know if you've heard of those things before. A soft foot and a hard foot. I've never heard of those. No, I've never heard of that terminology ever. So, if you put a compressor, an open drive compressor on the stand, and you're trying to align it, you know how you do the sheen, the shivs? Yep. And then you spin the dial around and you're like, oh, I'm sweet, sweet, I'm perfect. My angular is like a thousand out and my, maybe my face is perfect. Oh my God, this is so great. And then you go to bolt it down and then you start to torque it down and then you run it again and it's like, well, what the hell happened? I'm, I'm 56 and 55,000 out. You know what, it was perfect until I bolted it down. So if you take your compressor and let's say you bolt it down on the back side, okay. away from the coupling, yep. and the compressor drops because there's a warp in the frame, that's called soft foot. Okay. If you put the compressor in and you bolt it down, but your face actually tilts the compressor forward, that means that there's a ridge in the frame, and that's when you get a hard foot. Okay, that's that's interesting. So, so <laughs> you, you, I was, was going to say sorry. I was going to say I'll, I'll probably forget all that tomorrow. <laughs> if I can, no, can, it's, can, it's all there. It's it's good information. It's, sorry, yeah, man. It is, it's, well, it's wasted information, and and because as we're taking open drives out, the whole idea behind the open drive is to keep a wet seal. So you're using oil to keep a wet seal to keep your refrigerant inside. But the systems are really designed to weep a little bit of refrigerant out because of refrigerant oil and the mystability of it. It's designed to keep that shaft seal, right? Yeah, that so makes sense. a lot sense, of those yeah. are coming out. You know, they're coming out because R22 is so expensive, and you're going to 407C, or you're going to a retrofit, and they're coming out. And instead of those, we're making putting in... You're seeing the guys are putting in tandems. Oh, we're taking a 60-ton out. Let's put in four 15-ton scrolls. Yeah. Let's pipe them in a tandem. So that technology comes out. That's why, you know, kind of the basis between behind my, my social media is that to keep that HVAC past alive, yeah. this stuff that goes on out there that was worked on in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, 
that was everyday stuff, right? So when yep. I started the trade in 1986, the stuff that I was working on was installed in the 1950s and 60s. So, you know, you're in like a 20 to 25 year lifespan. So I'm working on crap and I'm working with techs and getting my training with techs that started in the 60s. And so that technology, as it goes on, it gets lost. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, I had a technician go to a store in San Francisco. We were surveying a location that had open drive in it, and the disconnect just turned off. And I was like, what do I do? And I'm like, turn it on. Just, you know, what's going to happen? You're going to turn the breaker? You know, let's throw the breaker. Let's see, if, you know, check out the motor, check the valves, own it all out. We have to measure it. Let's go ahead and measure it and test the windings. Um, you know, get a screwdriver into that shaft. You know, try to get that coupling and see if she free spins. He's like, well, it free spins. I'm like, well, do you have refrigerant in the system? He's like, yeah, I got refrigerant. I'm like, throw the disconnect and let's see if she fires up. And he refused. He's like, I don't know what I'm working on, and I've never seen it before, and I'm not going to do that. Hmm. I appreciated the fact that he felt it. Yeah. Unsafe enough that he said, No, I refuse. That's awesome. That's exactly what a service manager wants to hear. But at the same time, there's technology sitting out there. The guys don't know how to work on. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean there's um there's units out there now that there's a train condensing unit out there now that charges itself. Like that's 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 nuts. Have you heard about these yeah, yet? Just, no, it's you know, I was telling somebody the other day about drones. Like, I, I've always, I've had this theory since drones are getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. This is going to sound crazy. My, my, I told this to my assistant service manager. He looked at me, I was nuts. I said, I see a day where you, a, a technician or a guy will go out to a site. You'll disconnect the electrical to the gas. You'll make sure that the unit is free of any obstructions, and a drone will come in and pick up the unit and take it away. Another drone will come in and set a unit, and he'll hook everything back up, and that unit will be flown back to a warehouse for technicians to fix inside a warehouse. Oh, I don't, you know what? It doesn't sound crazy at all. It sounds very realistic, maybe in, who knows, maybe 40, 50 years from now. Who knows? But that's... Well, they're doing it now with a helicopter. You can do it now with a helicopter. Yeah, and you know what I think will happen before that? I think that... Parts, like uh, parts suppliers or supply houses, they'll start using drones to fly their parts out. Guarantee it. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes perfect sense. So you get to that technology, right? So if you're saying, is there a condensing unit that charges itself? It's the same as telling me when I started in the trade, learning from a guy that had been in the trade for 20 years since the 60s, there will come a day where you'll actually be able to leave, look at a unit and it's going to give you fault codes and the fault codes will tell you everything that's wrong. Yeah. I would have said, you're full of crap. It's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, right, so then Carrier came out with the 585 series. That's a little package unit with a China cap on top. It was one of the first units to come out with a circuit board and that circuit board literally was like the size of a credit card. And it only had a couple of points on it. I think it was for doing something like, you know, like test, like if the limits, if the limit opened up, it killed the gas valve and 
your red light came on on your thermostat. There used to be there used to be a thermostat that had red lights on them. So if they fogged it out, this little red light would come on. Yeah. So you know, and that's that technology is long gone now. You know, you look at your controller and it tells you what's wrong. So you know, back then it would have been crazy. So to have a condensing unit that charges itself, you know, so it makes sense. I mean. They're not even coming pre charged, so what's the point? Well, the 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 thing the thing that um was brought up um just be just before I saw this picture, um Rick Rick Resigno, he's uh he's one of the uh moderators in, in my group that, that helps from time to time just kinda um moderate. <laughs> That's why he's a moderator, right? He he's written a couple of articles. He's written a couple of articles yeah. for me, and one of his articles, um, it was either an article or a post, he was saying that he doesn't think the manufacturers have the faith in the technicians anymore uh, to do proper charging, because compressors are getting killed, uh, valves are getting killed, there's all this warranty going back, manufacturers are paying out of the ass for all these warranty claims, and they go check this stuff after, and it's, it's not even failed. It's misdiagnosed, or it has failed because it's been a flood back, or or it hasn't been evacuated properly. So he thinks the manufacturers are losing faith in the technicians. What do you what do you think about that? So I, I think Rick is right, but I think that technicians are also losing faith with the companies. We. As a, as a building, and I'm not an owner, but, as a, but I have my contractor's license in California. It's hard for me as a, as a technician and a person who sits in front of the customer and buys a piece of equipment. And I'm going to say a package in it. Yep. Puts it on, no ductwork changes, puts it on the unit, puts the unit on the same curb. Same amp draws, same voltage, same phase. Drain line is the same. He has to adjust the fan speed because most units come out on a low speed fan. You adjust the fan speed and the unit runs and then there's a leak in the corner. Then you fix that leak and then there's a leak somewhere else. And then there's a braze leak and then that goes and then the compressor fails because you've charged it multiple times and you've gotten away from the factory charge and your superheating subcooling is spot on and then the blower motor craps out and you're looking at a customer that says you said that unit was the best unit in the market and it's done nothing but break down yep I, so, uh, I get that so when you look at R410 right yep. that operates at a higher pressure compared to coils that were made 25 or 30 years ago that used R22 and the copper is thicker. I put a lot of the blame. I think it's a 50%, a 50-50 split. But the manufacturers cause the problems by putting cheaper and cheaper and thinner and thinner stuff. And then they take the warranties down so low Oh, you got to do a compressor? I'm going to give you three hours. Uh, oh, you need to do a motor? I'm going to warranty credit you down to two. And I think that's part of that. They create their own problem. 
I think that, that there are systems that are totally installed incorrectly. I think the problems with static pressure, ductwork, airflow, um, all sorts of stuff that have caused unit location, voltage problems. I, I, I agree with Rick. I think there's a lot of it. But there's a reason why manufacturers back in the day only gave a one-year warranty and it was okay, and now you're seeing 10-year warranties? Who, who gives a 10-year warranty? Yeah. That, it's almost like saying, I have a problem with my unit, so I'm going to give you a 10-year warranty. Yeah, that, but, that, was, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. Why do you think... Do you think it's it's um, they're going the cheap route and getting these things manufactured on uh, on the cheap nowadays, or do you think that they're manufacturing so much of it at so like in so little time that the quality is just being forgotten? You know, it's it's a hard one. I, I look at the units today, and I look at them. Right, and there a lot of them is due to weight issues. They're having to use thinner materials because the higher efficiency units have more components in them. So if you have a unit that is a couple of power, up a couple of hundred pounds heavier, it's going to force you, the contractor, into a possible structural count. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to have to possibly do some additional permitting for structural. You're going to have to do load calculations, not not load for total BTUs or load calculations for additional structural support because the units, if you don't, the units are going to be heavier. So I think they're forced into it a little bit. Yep. Um, but I really think it's up to the contractor to, you know, assess the situation and make sure that he or she is putting the best fit. I think that the 10-year warranty, and this is just me personally, I think the 10-year warranties are put in place because co contractors are losing faith in the quality of the unit, I like I said, I repeat myself, but I agree with Rick that when we get out of the warranty period, right, and the unit breaks down or during the warranty period, and we get an expansion valve that failed, yeah, we didn't we didn't put that expansion valve in. The factory did. Yeah. So how is that expansion valve failing? If the unit shows up and is flat on charge, how am I responsible for a unit being flat on charge? because they didn't strap it down or the little cap tubes that are used for pressure testing, right, are rubbing against the copper because they didn't put a little dab of silicone in there in between, and then there's a rub out. Now, yeah. how is that my fault? Yeah. And then that exposes, right, now you got POE oil, you got POE oil sitting exposed, sucking up all sorts of water because it's been driven across the country somewhere, and then it sets in a cold, damp warehouse, and then by the time you fix, oh, shoot, it's, it's leaked, you don't, nobody ever pulls the compressor out, dumps the compressor oil, puts new POE in it, fixes the leak, recharges it back to factory. Nobody does that, right? Yeah. They're not going to pull a compressor and dump. So now what? And then the manufacturer goes, oh, that compressor died. Oh, that's because you guys didn't service it right. Really? Really? Yeah, you know what? You you bring up some really good points there that I I didn't even think about. So then, so it's 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 so it's a fifty fifty thing. The technician fifty percent of the time is not doing their job right, and the manufacturer fifty percent of the time is not doing their job right. So how do we come together? Well, how do we come together to to solve this problem? I think there's there's ways. 
I think that some of it, again, this is my personal feeling. I think that there's ways to change some of it, and it it will cost pennies. For example, if you have a cap tube in a system, uh, a TXV, you put it in the silicone, silicone, and you silicone it to the closest pipe so that that sensing bulb, you know, the, the bulb on a TXV, the powerhead, isn't out so that it breaks off. Yeah. Or make, makes sense. make sure... Or you make sure that when the unit's installed and you have a distributor tube coming off the TXP into the evaporator coil, you don't make the plastic tubing an extra option. You pull those distributor tubes apart at the factory when you raise it in and you pull it apart and make sure they're not touching. And so you can force, you know, they can do a lot of little things that may take just a little bit extra time it will save your your warranty repairs because you're spending an extra thirty cents. And unfortunately, you know, a bean counter will say, Well, if I'm kicking out a hundred thousand units a year and I can save fifteen minutes, that is, you know, I don't know, fifteen hundred minutes of time times, you know, my burden rate of installation of sixty dollars an hour, I'm saving, you know, a hundred I'm saving three hundred thousand dollars. I mean you know, I'm guessing at the math, and he's going to say that three hundred thousand dollars can go back to the to the stockholders, and we can show additional profit. But are they really showing a different additional profit? Because when your warranty claims are so high, that gets lost. Yep. The problem then becomes is that the manufacturer says that's in a different account, or that's in a different fund. Really. So, yes, we have warranty dollars and we have construction dollars. Ultimately, it ends up in the same bank. Like, money doesn't say, I can't touch each other in the bank because you're the construction <laughs> side and I'm yeah. the warranty side. You know, don't touch me. They'll put me in the same money bag. We know that's not true. Yeah. So we could save money down the road, right? That's why we do preventative maintenance. I mean, that's why service parts and companies sell preventative maintenance because if I can maintain it over a long period of time, I'm going to cut your service dollars in half or 25% or whatever it is, right? Yep. Oh. Manufacturers don't do that. They install a cheaper, smaller, thinner unit. They get it out the door, and then they let the warranty department take care of it. Yeah. It, it just, that's you know, I, I think... I think that there's a partnership that's in there. Um, so I had a problem with Daikin. I had some problems where I was getting some Daikin units, package units in Southern California, and the Daikin package units have a little PVC cap in the drain, in the center part of the drain, so you can unscrew this cap, clean out the drain pan, and instead of putting it down the main drain, it'll come out this little bottom center port. It's, kind of, it's really cool, right? Mm-hmm. They were installing these caps with no threads or no thread compound, no tape or no, you know, nylon, nylon, nylon. They yeah, were installing with nothing. It was, yeah. So here you have a PVC cap with nothing screwed into a PVC thread, and it's leaking water all over the unit. And I probably had 30 or 40 units, and we took a video of it and sent it to them, and they admitted fault. The next units I got, it was fixed. That's good. So so Dykin turns around and listens to the contractors 
and says, what's the problem? How do we fix it? This is the problem. And they go and they fix it. That is a way that you can get things improved. Now, you know, and granted, service tax are going to be weird, right? I don't really like the color of that unit because it looks like Green Bay Packer green, but I would rather it look like Miami Dolphin blue. You're know, like, really, bro? Really? That's that bugs you on a unit. But, you know, I think that there's things that, that manufacturers need to listen to the service tax on that they can make minute changes that will continually improve and make them better instead of just offer an extended warranty. Yeah, so I see a lot of guys complaining about manufacturers on social media, right? And instead of saying, oh, this unit's a piece of shit, and posting on social media, well, we still want to see that. We want to see the problems because it helps us. But if they also got a hold of the manufacturer and said, look what your unit's doing, what can we do to fix this problem? That might help, right? Or if the manufacturers jumped on some of these social media sites and saw all the problems being posted by real technicians out in the field, maybe they could take some of that input and then go behind the scenes and fix it. Those are those are two ways I think that they can they can get that information. But the mechanic has to be on board and say, I'm going to send them an email as well as posting it so everybody else can see what the problem is with this machine. I think that, you know, service techs, we have a way of communicating to each other. And yeah, we, we, we bitch and complain. <laughs> right. We, we, I, you know, I, I talk, I've been managing a long time. I've managed lots of companies. And I, I call the front seat of the van the fuss and fuss room because they sit and they drive, we drive by ourselves. We really have nobody to talk to other than our phone, right? Yep, yep. Um, and we drive from job to job and from home to job and job, you know, and home to job. And we sit in the front seat of our trucks it would be nothing but, oh, man, I worked on this unit. That thing's a piece of shit. God, I can't believe they built that unit. Man, if I see that unit again, I'm going to be freaking be pissed. God, I hope I don't see that unit. That unit sucks. And we, we just, I don't know who we're talking to, but I'm pretty sure I feel better. And <laughs> yeah. we have a way of communicating to ourselves. And then when we get to the supply house, they're like, hey, you know, what's up, Gary? Man, Gary, I looked at this packaging it. I worked on this split system and it's got this presser. What a piece of shit. I mean, like, well, bro, I worked on that too. It is a piece of shit. And it resolves nothing. Like, like there's no solving. And instead of griping to each other, we should be, you know, that little tech support line going, hey, I got a problem. We need to resolve it. So I think that big companies get into social media, but unfortunately, the big companies are ran by guys my age that, oh, look, I figured out how to work Facebook. I uploaded a picture. Yay me. So you don't really get into social media and they don't get down into it because they don't want to see or they don't know how to separate the, the technician way of communicating from, hey, I, I get what he's saying. We do have a problem, Bill. We need to resolve that. Let's get a hold of that guy. And they don't do that. That's it's it's starting um, it's starting to change though. There's a lot of companies now that are actually hiring people just to take care of the social media end of things. I, I've I've been seeing that a lot. Emerson is one that um, Emerson Copeland has done a really great job. I've I've snapped and re resubmitted and reposted some of the pictures 
um, Becky over at uh, Emerson Copeland in Ohio. She's really good with getting her staff to put together some stuff for social media that really grabs the attention of the tech. Um, I, as much as I struggle sometimes, and everybody has their opinions, you know, York units, oh, York, York, they suck, whatever. The York customer service line is pretty good. I mean, I've gotten into York and called the service line in Norman, Oklahoma, and gotten some guys that I know that they're following through on a computer script, but they still have some technical wherewithal to where most problems I'm able to resolve with York and the Norman, Oklahoma team. I mean, they do a really, really good job, and they're open early in the morning for the East Coasters, and they stay a little bit later for the West Coasters. So I, I agree with you about the, you know, the equipment manufacturers taking, um, you know, listening to the text and wanting to resolve it. But, you know, we got to work together on it. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, don't grind all day long out in the field and sit here fussing and and Pick up a phone and say, hey, I want to make this better for everybody. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, and I'm not going to keep you too much longer because it's getting late. And, uh, well, it's getting late for me anyway. <laughs> it's still early for you. Uh, I, I, but... Well, I, I, I wanted to tell you something. We were talking about the past and future, and you just brought up Emerson Copeland. Now, I've got a, a bit of a relationship with the, the, the Brantford branch out here. I talked to, um, I went out to a course, and, and sometimes I talk to a couple of guys out there, and I think I'm going to be having one or two of them on the podcast, hopefully next week or the week after, to talk about some stuff. But, um, I went to a trade show in Toronto in, in February or March. I can't remember which month it was. So Emerson has this um, virtual reality compressor teardown. Mike, you should see this thing. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. You stand in one spot, you put a pair of glasses on, and your coach, the guy stands beside you, he says, okay, so turn around and point your finger that way because you have these things on your hand or or a button. I think it's a button. So you go into a room, right, and there's a big uh, Copeland scroll sitting there. So you actually tear this thing down digitally looking through um, these glasses. And every single part and every single bolt you're actually removing. And you're just doing it by the top of a button. It's absolutely incredible. You should see this thing. You know, I think technology has a way of finally catching up to where uh, it can do that. I mean, my stuff I works to improve but of course. Hey Mike, you're, 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 to, you're totally breaking up on me. I I, I lost you for about thirty uh, seconds there. Yeah, I hope. I'm sorry. I'm by, I'm by Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport. Did I get you? Yeah, I think, um, a little bit. I think. So I think if VR can work its magic, it can help with the trades. It can help teach people who are like a long ways away that maybe can't aren't in the big city that can't get the training that we're getting like here in Phoenix or like you're getting in Toronto. Yep. Um, we have huge resources. Some of the smaller areas like up in Montana, 
or maybe in a, in a remote area in Alberta or you know away from uh, Edmonton or the other the other provinces. I think that that is fantastic technology. But the old guy in me says I like to put a compressor on a pallet and get oil all over my hands and the feel of a torque wrench or a breaker bar pulling off that head, pulling that discus out, you know, unbolting those pistons. I think they go hand in hand. Um, but any kind of training, any kind of training, no matter what it is, is great training. Oh, of course it is. Knowledge is power. Right. So, you know, it, it's whatever you can do to better it is, is and better the trade. I'm all for it. Sweet. Okay. Well, that, that is a good way to end this podcast because I'm about to, uh, go inside and, and watch TV and fall asleep. <laughs> well, anytime, man, anytime you want to pick up the phone and have a chat, I really enjoyed it. I love talking to you again. Congratulations. Um, I think the HVAC know-it-all group and the team there is doing some great stuff. I follow you, as you know, I follow you on multiple levels, on multiple platforms. Um, and congratulations again for being the most influential under 40. I think that's a huge, a huge, uh, uh, you know, what am I looking for? A huge accomplishment. Okay. I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and same here. Like I follow all your stuff and, and I see most of your stuff on Instagram and, and LinkedIn and all that stuff too. So, um, so what I'm, what I'm going to do is because, because you have your podcast on anchor as well. Once, once I'm done this, I'll just email you the file and you can play this interview for your listeners as well. So a, a little bit of co-podcasting. Absolutely. Okay, cool, man. So you have a great night and um, I'll talk to you later, Mike. I appreciate it. We'll do work, sleep, be sleep, and be good humans. Yes, you too. <laughs> Have a good night, man. All right. Yeah. Good so you guys can tell Mike's a very passionate guy. He's very opinionated. Um, and it's good to have an opinion in this industry because I think it gives you longevity. When you have a strong opinion, guess what? And you stick by it, people keep coming back to you for advice and solutions. And I, I really respect Mike's opinion because he's been around the industry for so long and has so much experience. And I got to be um, on full uh, disclosure here. I'm laying on my couch to finish off this podcast because I am bagged. You might actually be able to hear my dog chewing her bone about three feet away from me. But it doesn't matter. I don't care. This is real life stuff. This is a real life tech coming at you at 10.53 p.m. on a Friday night. So I got to thank Mike for being on the podcast. You guys can check him out on his um, on his platforms, Instagram, at HVAC Reefer Guy. He's on LinkedIn, he's on Facebook. You can catch him keeping the HVAC past alive. You guys have a great night. Happy HVACing.